Thank you so much, Katie and Stephen and even David on the cajon, rocking it. If you want to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, as we are joining two churches together in the midst of a global pandemic, uh, we decided that we just want to, to spend time in the story of Jesus and started a series on Mark last week that we're going to be in for quite some time, uh, and, and that's okay. I, I think these stories are going to be good for us. And I uh, want to look at a, the call of Jesus on the life of disciples today. And uh, so if you want to turn to Mark 1, verse 14 through 20, we'll get started there. And uh, if you want to follow along, there's sermon notes online. You can find them on desertcitychurch.com. I think you click on the live stream, and then it takes you to a page that has sermon notes. So if you want to cheat and get ahead of the sermon um, so you can get ready for the Super Bowl, you can do that too. But... Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. says, After John, John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So this story starts out right after John the Baptist thrown in prison. And the very next action for Jesus isn't to uh, be cautious, he becomes even more bold. The story goes on in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, also called Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus. Pretty simple story of Jesus calling his disciples. A couple things that you can observe in this is that it it takes place on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, near the, the town of Capernaum. Uh, If you want to mispronounce it correctly, you can call it Capernaum. This is where really the center of Jesus' ministry in Mark takes place. And uh, it's it's a great place to live, a great place to grow up. Everything, all of life kind of revolves around the lake. And so uh, the economy was based on the lake. Uh, A lot of these fishermen, they were hardworking, blue-collar people uh, who loved life, loved being outdoors, uh, loved being in boats. And, uh, and, and it's a great place to, to live. And uh, Galilee is also uh, in the crossroads of uh, some major trade routes. And so, yeah, it, it, it's in this, this trade route that connects Europe to Asia and Africa. Everything's going through there. So the people that live in this area are exposed to just a lot of different cultures. And many of these people uh, were, were very culturally savvy because of that. And for, for the Jewish people, it's different than those who live further south than in Jerusalem that are much more isolated in the mountains. Uh, the people of, around Galilee uh, uh, had, had, they, they, they just had much more cultural savvy with, with all the other empires of the day. And, uh, and so these people uh, were fairly well educated, um, probably spoke different languages, and had a very complex economy, which uh, we'll get to. Um, but these are, these are four fishermen, and living in Galilee, working hard, and then Jesus calls them. And they probably have a very stable job. They, they probably uh, do well. They have families. And they drop all of that to follow Jesus. They just stop 
turn, follow him. And I always try to imagine this in my head. I always, you know, I, I think I think back to like the, the old movies about Jesus where, you know, Jesus is kind of a stoic and a little bit robotic and has this mysterious call and they drop everything and turn to him like a robot. And, and you think like, is this like some sort of Jedi mind trick? You know, Jesus is like, these are not the fish you're looking for. And I'm going to take you to other you know, fish that are people. And like, what, there's something significant. It's important to understand the significance of this call of Jesus because these people are, are leaving something uh, important to follow him. And they don't just do that in an isolated event. And the call of Jesus uh, is significant because it's the call of a rabbi to come and follow me. So the education system of the, these Jewish families uh, breaks down pretty easily. You have, when you start at five years old, you start learning scripture, you learn the Torah. Um, you, they have a, a special uh, a school for children where you start to learn. And, uh, and, and you, would, you would learn your, your people's history. You would learn your sacred text. You would, uh, you know, probably have flannel graphs and whatever they would do. But uh, when, when you would go through this for a, a few years, uh, what they would find is that not all students are, you know, quite the same. Some are a little bit sharper and some of them are a little bit more interested and some of them need to just go play football. And, uh, you, know, the, you know, the Torah is probably not for them. But those that were really studious, that were sharp and were interested, they would move into like a secondary school. And they would only take the ones that are really interested in, and they would continue their studies to, to learn more about the, the, the sacred text of the Torah and the prophets and the poetry. And then what would happen is they would, they would realize that there's some that are even, you know, stand out even more in this, in this secondary school and, and are sharp and smart. And if you were the, part of the, the sharpest uh, group of students, they would allow you to go and, and study with a rabbi. But you had to be like the best and the smartest. And, and uh, I know like with my own schooling, you know, I, we, did, we have elementary and, and then middle school, which is just the awkward time, and then high school. And like for me, I, I, I knew like when I was done with math, I had just finished pre-cal. And uh, I was like, I've reached the end of my brain, like <laughs> mathematically. I can't go beyond this, and I'm done. And then, you know, there's people like Tyler, who's, you know, total nerd, goes and becomes like an engineer. And, like, I couldn't go beyond that. Like, I was done uh, with math and education. And it's for, it, every system has this, like, the, the really smart people will advance. And what would happen is, if you were advancing through this whole system of Jewish education and you became a disciple, this was this incredible honor to go and to study with a rabbi. They were called the Talmud, a group of, of students, a group of Talmud, the Talmudim. And it was this like honor to be a disciple of, of one of the great rabbis of that day. And it, so it's a significant call. And, and here's the thing, when Jesus, this rabbi, comes and he sees these fishermen and he calls to them, come follow me. What he's doing, this is a significant call for them. First of all, they're fishermen, which means what? At some point, they checked out of school. Like for me with pre-cal, it's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. Uh, they're, they're in this profession of fishing, but they're willing to leave it because of the significance of this call from Jesus. There's this sacred calling that you can go and you could study under this rabbi. And not only do you study under him, you become just like him. You, you become uh, like, like your master. And so... Um, there's this significant call, and when these fishermen hear it, 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 it's not just this isolated event. Of course they would leave. 
the, the prestige of this call for them. Like Jesus has chosen me to be his follower. And it has nothing to do with, you know, their ability, their, how smart they are. In fact, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here and it's breaking through, the first thing he does is he turns to fishermen and he says, and you're the ones I'm going to use to revolutionize this world. You're going to be part of this movement that just changes history. There's this call of the rabbi that is significant. And what we have is these fishermen, these simple, you know, basic people uh, who all of a sudden their life turns into this sacred calling. And we see the life of what happens with with Peter and John and all these disciples, they become, they rock the world as Jesus gets a hold of their heart and they have the sacred calling. When it comes to following Jesus, it tells us that, that it, it, it's not about our ability, but he, he chooses us, he reaches out to us and he says, I want you to join me in this movement. And what we're going to do here, there's a sacred calling for all of us where our lives take on meaning. As a church, as we follow Jesus, it means that our mission, what we are a part of as the body of Christ, is sacred, it's set apart, it's purposeful. Every single thing we do as a church matters. We give our lives to something that, that uh, the, ram- the ramifications are, are eternal. As we gather together as a people, as we do the work of Jesus, as his disciples, we become like him, we become the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. There's this simple group of people that all of a sudden have this sacred calling. That's important because the story goes on, and uh, there's another calling of a disciple in the next chapter, in Mark chapter 2. Starting in verse 13, it says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, so he's out again, the banks of the Sea of Galilee, and it says a large crowd came to him. They're hanging out outside, uh, similar maybe to this, and uh, he began to teach, and as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. It's the same call, the call of the rabbi, follow me. He sees Levi and he says, I want you to, to join my Talmudim, to join my group of disciples. And I believe that you can be one of us. And you think, well, that's a nice story. And he's a tax collector, so, you know, we probably don't like him. But we don't know how much they don't like him. In fact, when you, when you understand taxes in this day, I mean, it's almost tax season. Is anyone excited about tax season? I know Dave is an accountant. He's here somewhere. He's probably, you know, got business coming his way. But we're not, like, we're, we're excited for baseball season. We get excited for, you know, Christmas. Like, we don't get excited for tax season. Um, in this context, this, again, isn't an isolated event. Uh, the, the, the people that were, were taxing, the, the tax system is super complex at this time. And what we have here is Levi. He's also called Matthew. Matthew, the man who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, he's a tax collector. In this day, the way the taxes were structured was you had, you know, the Romans are in charge of the world, and then you have this uh, other, other king that they've set up, Herod, and his sons have taken over, um, and you have just a number of different taxes that are going on. And as a tax collector, what he would do is he would basically, like, get a franchise, like McDonald's, and, and you would be in charge of a certain region of taxes, and there was a set tax that you would pay uh, to the kings, and then anything that you took on top of that, you got to pocket. So what happens is it creates this system of extortion, and these tax collectors were like, you know, the more I tax people, the more resources I can get. And one of the taxes was on just the products that were, you know, being produced, which were grain and wine and fish. 
And these tax collectors would, would tax people like crazy. And so if you're a fisherman in Galilee, and there's this toll booth that's set up near the lake, when you get done catching your fish and you come in, you have to go see the tax collector. And then he probably takes this unfair amount. And if you're like most of us, you're ticked off at that. And then as a fisherman, you start following Jesus. You become a disciple. And you're part of this movement that, that is exciting. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, I found someone else I want to be a part of our group. And you go, oh, cool, we're growing. This is great. And then you realize that he's pointing at Levi, the tax collector. And you're like, not him. Anyone but him. I mean, if you're the disciples, I, I don't think James would say this, but I think Peter would probably be like, Jesus, we hate that guy. Like, you cannot, do you know who he is? Do you know, like, what his politics are? Uh, do you, he has completely sold out. He is an outcast. Uh, because he's a tax collector, we don't allow him to have, he's, he can't be a judge in court. He can't be a witness in court. He's a pariah. That was like a middle school vocabulary word. He's an outcast. We don't want anything to do with him. And Jesus says, no, we are going to bring him in as well. There's something about Levi. It's not about what he does. It's about who he is as a child of God. And Jesus says, we are bringing him into this group of disciples. I can't imagine what the conversation around the campfire would be with these fishermen and this tax collector. Because my guessing is they have history together. And yet here in the company of Jesus, all of these titles that they have, all of these things that define who they are fall away. And there's this new identity as a disciple. Does it mean that they don't have things that they discuss or opinions that they have? But Matthew, Levi, leaves his job. He becomes this follower of Jesus. He takes on this new identity. And here in the circle of disciples, you have these simple people that are now the sacred community that is, is so much different than how the world defines community and all of the ways the world defines and labels us. In the church, in this group of disciples, you have something sacred and set apart. This is a place where we gather centered on this life of Jesus we, we center on being formed as a disciple. And then the story goes on. So after uh, he, he meets with uh, Levi in verse 13 and 14, goes on to say this in verse 15 of chapter 2. It says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed. This is a group that seems like they like to party. When the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is Jesus doing this? Why would he associate himself with these people? Verse 17 says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And you start to understand a little bit about the type of kingdom Jesus is forming and the type of group that he's pulling together where Jesus cares about those who are hurting and sick and lost. This is the characteristic of the kingdom that Jesus is building, where he's meeting the needs of these people who no one else wants to do with. The religious people, the Pharisees, they would often say, if you can make yourself clean, you can eat with me. Jesus says, eat with me and I will make you clean. In my company, in my presence, there is this new community that breaks forth. And here they are partying around a table. These simple people at a sacred table, the way of Jesus was to gather, no matter what your past was, no matter what you have done, no matter however you identify yourself, here with Jesus, you have this new identity in his presence. 
simple people who have the sacred calling, that are a part of the sacred community that gather around a sacred table for, for fellowship together, to be on mission together. Here they are, Jesus is, is at Levi's house partying with them. Here's what we know about the kingdom and what us as a church we think about when it comes to this table where we gather together, the symbolic of our fellowship together, eating together, is that you don't get to determine who gets to eat at the table. In the company of Jesus, there's no experts and everyone's invited. In the company of Jesus, all the ways that we disagree with each other and the ways that we define each other go away. We have this new identity as followers of Jesus. God sends the invite. And our hope is that we have the eyes to see people as Jesus sees them. Second thing about this table, the sacred table, is you can't afford a seat at the table anyway. So whoever you are, you're not the one that purchases it. We're, we're, our, our, our life and our ability to be at the table with Jesus is purchased by the cross. This is all grace. This is all a gift to us to be in the company of Jesus, to be in relationship with him, to be in the fellowship of other believers. We don't get to determine who's at the table. We can't even afford the seat. It's been paid for us. And finally, this table is abundant. This message of Jesus is for all people. This sacred calling that we have to join the church that is global and historic and proclaiming that salvation is here, that there's this gift of God that comes through Jesus and it transforms how we interact with each other. It gives us sacred calling and purpose in this life. We become this community of people that is different than anything else you experience throughout your week called the church. And there's this table of fellowship that is abundant. As we think about our call, it is significant. Jesus offers this to all of us. He says, come, follow me. Be my disciple. I don't know what your past is, what your history is, what you've done. Uh, I don't know how you, maybe, maybe you've given up on the church You've got burnout, you're tired, maybe you're frustrated, maybe in the midst of this, this year you're just confused and, and angry at God. The call is for all, all of us. Jesus says, come follow me, join this mission, this sacred calling, the sacred people, the sacred table, to be a follower of Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we're just starting this series on Mark, we see how you, you call disciples and it doesn't matter if they are, uh, if they're smart, if they're successful, if they're hardworking. You call people and offer us this life, Lord. And all you ask is that we're available. You call sinners. You call those who uh, have been outcast. You bring together people that don't agree on everything. We see how you transform people's identity, even with Levi, this tax collector who goes on to write a gospel. Even with Mark, who we saw last week is flakes out on Paul and yet has this other calling, Lord. You transform our lives. We want to be available to to you to say, Lord, take our hearts, take our soul, transform us to be more like you, that we may be your disciples. And Lord, I just ask that you empower your church with your Holy Spirit. That we would understand that we have a sacred calling. That we'd be a set-apart community in the midst of an angry culture. That our fellowship would be 
something that is compelling to be a part of. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.